Another of my big goals for Hast, in addition to portability across platforms, is that it needs to work well for the end user of the software that is built with Hast. And I'm, I'm very conscious and I struggle with a lot separating these different layers where it's like I'm building Hast and then there are going to be people who use Hest to build software. And then there are going to be users of that software who are also able to crack open, you know, pop the hood and, and go in there and make changes to that program. They're not just end users. They are empowered, but they are in the majority case, probably just going to use the software as built. And when it comes to that last group, the end user, I am very careful about decisions that I make that might negatively impact their experience. And as some examples of that, it would be very easy to build Hest in a way that used a lot of system resources for the end user. And it inevitably will. Like that's that's kind of a it's it's something that i'm i'm being real about like hest is not going to be as as efficient to execute as a program that you know let's say it's running on the web in a web page if you had just written that program in straight up javascript using a conventional approach or a or a popular framework or something like that it would probably be more energy efficient than the same program built in hest there's already that acknowledgement that Hest is going to cost the end user something, that using a program built in Hest is going to cost the end user, and that most end users aren't going to take advantage of the fact that the Hest program is editable, and so they derive no benefit from it being written in Hest as opposed to being written in something else. So I am trying to make a lot of decisions to minimize that cost that they have to pay. And so that motivates things like the renderer specialization, where if you do bring an SVG into Hest, I know that it is much more energy efficient to split that SVG up into smaller SVGs that are transformed using CSS within an HTML context, um, because transforms in CSS, transforms in opacity, don't paint. They just composite on the GPU, and that's very fast and efficient. So there are things like that that I'm doing and that I'm designing the rendering system of Hest around to minimize the cost of. And I want to give another example of that, and that is that the way that I'm architecting Hest, and if I, if I release the source code to Hest at some point soon here, maybe that would be fun, um, so that people could start playing with it, uh, the way that Hest as a system is architected is very dynamic, super late binding, you know, um, dynamic uh, name resolution. Um, it's not static because that's just my taste. And so there's a lot of separate little subsystems that all kind of hook together on the fly. And that allows for, for me a nice experience programming it. And at the core of all of this is an engine that drives the execution of all of this Hest system that I'm building. It's not the same as the engine that drives the execution of your Hest graphics code with your edges and your points and your kids on water slides. It's not that execution engine. It's the the one behind that, the execution engine that is written in CoffeeScript, that is running other CoffeeScript code, and that is coordinating things like, you know, move these points around, draw these things to the screen, process this input, you know, load this file, um, all that stuff, all the all the stuff that it takes to build the Hest environment within which you will do more programming. And so that 
engine is designed in such a way that is very different from how typical graphics programs are designed, um, even on the web where this sort of concern is more common. And I'll illustrate that by saying what's normal, and then I'll say what Hess does differently as a, as a point of comparison. So normally when you are writing a very graphics-intense system, whether that's a game or um, an application that is you know very graphically rich, like a 3D graphics program or something like that, you will have within your program something that is constantly running code. It's like, uh, you know, in, in JavaScript, it's the event loop. In a game, it's like the main game loop. It's you're basically like, while true, run this code. And it's just running endlessly. And it might be, in the case of, of, of the web, it might be request animation frame running in a loop so that it ties in with the display refresh rate. But in a, in a game that you write in C or in something like Unity or something like that, it's literally just this constantly running loop of code that is looking at, okay, how much time has passed since the last time we were running this code? Okay, run a bunch of these subsystems and tell them how much time has passed so that they can produce some novel output based on the gradual accumulation of time passing. And so that's where your animation comes from. That's where your physics in a game comes from. If you're, if you're using an immediate mode renderer for a user interface or something like that, that's how that interface is updated. And you have this just constant running loop. And that does not play nicely with how at least to the best of my understanding, with how CPUs like to execute stuff these days, and especially mobile CPUs, where they much prefer doing race to sleep, where you have a bunch of work that you need to do. It's better to do that work really quickly and get it done and then shut off, like drop the CPU down to a lower clock speed, drop to a, a lower amount of power draw, um, just basically shut off part of the CPU, wait a little while, wake up, do a whole bunch of work, and then shut down again. And that, that tends to be more efficient than constantly doing small amounts of work, running at a, at a low power state and just constantly chewing through stuff. That this, this race to sleep idea tends to be the way that, that things are more efficient. And my own... Testing kind of bears that out where if you have a web page that has a request animation frame loop running, even if it's doing basically nothing, like if it's just doing like request animation frame, schedule the next frame, you know, return true or whatever, um, or like two plus two or something like that, that is going to keep the web page running at a higher energy state. And the amount of CPU used by that web page is going to be dramatically higher than it would be if that loop weren't running. And depending on the browser, this can be on the order of like 10% of a core or 2% of a core or, you know, it varies. But it is very different from if you don't have a loop running, the usage will be zero. If you are not doing any work yourself in a web page commonly, the browser is not doing any work either. That the browsers, um, especially Safari, Firefox is pretty good. Chrome is iffy. They're very good at just shutting off when there's no work to be done. And so that's what the Hest engine does is that it is very aggressive about shutting itself off when there is no work to be done. So most of the time that you are working with Hest, you are not watching points sliding around on lines. You are not, you know, dragging a bunch of things around or moving. You are not panning or zooming. Most of the time, 
you know, if you measured it, is actually spent looking at a totally static screen with nothing moving in the gap between actions that you take. And so the Hest engine will completely shut itself down in those moments. And as soon as all of the novelty has been handled and all of the updated pixels have gone out to the screen and all of the input events have been processed, the engine shuts down and and nothing more happens. And so that makes an interesting way of programming this system because it means that Whereas in a game, you can kind of take it for granted that, hey, my loop is always running. And so if I produce some data and put it in a certain place for another system to pick up on, that system will pick up on the data and work on it uh, this frame, probably, um, you know, or whatever coordination that you're using. You can kind of, you know that you're always going. In Hest, any time that I add some kind of behavior or a feature or, or some functionality that requires the engine of Hest to be running, that new incoming novelty into the system of that that feature, you know, like let's say the move tool, right? Like you can click the move tool and you're in the move tool mode and you have some objects selected and you click and drag and move those objects and they follow the mouse. The move tool needs to be able to tell the engine, hey, I just received some events from the browser saying the mouse was moved. And so that means I'm going to take the things that are currently selected and change the positions that they're all in based on the movement of the mouse. Like it can make that change to the data and the data will change, but nothing will change on screen. There'll be no changed pixels. There'll be no changed program semantics, nothing like that, unless the move tool also says, oh, and hey, engine, I just you know accreted some novelty uh, in the system. Please wake things up to chew on that. And so the engine will then, you know, you have to, you have to tell the engine anytime you add a feature that, that can produce some change, you have to tell the engine to wake up and the engine will wake up. And, and, and the way that Hest is architected, it's sort of divided up into different responses Responsibilities, And so it will look at, okay, what is the stuff that has changed and wake up the other parts of the program that are needed to process that change. And so it usually goes something like, hey, the, the, the data in the core database has changed, wake up the systems that chew on data in the database and see if they produce any output. And if they produce some new changed output, then wake up the system that handles you know, if that if that new changed output affects the simulation state for the for the the you know the kids on the water slides, wake up the the execution model and execute that stuff. And if that moves some things around, wake up the renderer and render those graphics. And so it's sort of like, um, rather than every frame, we do okay handle input. And then use that input to change some data in the database and then use that data in the database to change the simulation state and then use the execution model to update the simulation state and then wake up the render and render the pixels. Instead of doing that over and over and over and over again, every frame when nothing is changing, only when something has changed does that stuff happen. And when that stuff happens, only the things that produce novelty are processed. So that means that whole changes that you make might not wake up the renderer like if it's if it's just changing something that is internal and is not visible which is a bad example because pretty much everything is visible but or if you're changing something that is not part of the execution of the simulation of the kids on the water slides that stuff if you're not touching that stuff that whole execution model does not need to be woken up so that approach um 
is different from what I've done before, but it really does bear fruit. Like I'm, I'm watching, you know, CPU usage and, and such as I'm building this. And it is kind of remarkable how with just a few concessions, like one thing that totally breaks this is you need to be able to code things in a way where when the work is done, things can be shut down. And so I have to be kind of careful to make sure that I don't architect things in such a way that something happens that leaves a, a loop running or that leaves a timer running or there's you know two things that are kind of interacting and they kind of resonate off of one another. Like I have to make sure that that work terminates very decisively and that that termination is something that the engine knows about and can shut down. And, um, and that part is kind of easy because the engine won't continue running unless it sees more novelty. So if you don't show more novelty to the engine, it won't keep running. So that's, that's a little bit different. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I can't do the things that I like to do as a graphics person, like have a cute little animation up in the corner of the screen, uh, just something, you know, kind of playful. Um, or for instance, in some of the early demos of Hest, I was showing these points, you know, conveying along edges with these big, colorful, comet-like trails trailing behind them. And I actually removed those from the prototype and haven't had them recently because those trails would fade out after a certain amount of time. Like when the point stopped moving, the trail would kind of, you know, dissipate like a, like, you know, smoke clearing out. And that extra little bit had a noticeable performance cost to it. And so I took that out, even though it's something that I aesthetically loved because it's like, I, I need to find aesthetics for the, programming model of hest that also respect this principle of minimizing power consumption and minimizing just waste of energy um and it didn't help that at the time i was using a 2019 macbook pro with an i9 processor that unless you disabled turbo boost would run the fans loudly and burn my lap at idle so having having a, a giant slab of hot aluminum on my lap that responded very physically to any inefficiency in my code was a really strong motivator so yeah, so so I think this is a, a different approach. It's different from how games work, at least all the times that I've seen how games are architected. It's different how from how most people work. Most people, if they're making something in the browser, they'll just set up a request animation froop and let it request animation loop. I don't know what a froop is. Um, I would implore you to explore alternatives to that. I would implore you to uh, think about race to sleep, and I would implore you to shut down your stuff when you're not using it because the the difference in battery life if you're on a mobile device is noticeable um the difference between you know having a request animation request animation froop okay fine it's the thing now uh that does nothing uh versus a request animation froop that does you know um uh, a ton of work like the the fixed cost is very high so if you're not doing work shut your system down and wait until there's novelty process just that novelty and then shut down again and it will make a huge difference